The podcast you're about to enjoy is brought to you by trained early childhood educators. We have a combined 40 years of experience working in child care and child development. Most of that's from Mark because he's so goddamn old. Also, this show contains grown-ups using grown-up words like fuck and shit and sometimes vulva, which we bring up only so that you can show your kids that you can listen to sweary stuff too, Kevin. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. My name's Scott Forbes. And I'm Mark Battle. And this ain't babysitting. Welcome to our ongoing series about uh, controversial play, talking about uh, some things that make people a little bit, a uh, little touchy. You know, Scott, I'm feeling a little touchy right now. I just I'm mentioned glad I'm sitting it, over and, here, and I noticed you are feeling a little touchy now too. I think we ate our egg salad sandwiches. By the way, I'd like to thank my wife, Patty. Thank you, Patty, for making absolutely delicious egg salad sandwiches. Unfortunately, I ate them way too fast. Yeah, and I'm struggling here. You had it in your hand at one point, and then it was gone. I am struggling. One time, can I tell a quick little story? I was in high school, in the middle of class. And all of a sudden, I thought my pancreas exploded, and I fell off my chair. Uh, a kid had to take me to the hospital because I thought my pancreas had exploded. And when I got to the hospital, the doctor touched me a little bit, and he said, hey, lean over the, the bed, lean over the, the table there, and uh, let your legs dangle. And as I did, I let out the biggest fart in the world. Turns out I just ate my sandwich too fast. But you know what the embarrassing thing was? When I came back out in the waiting room, my friend was laughing his head off. He was going, please tell me that wasn't you. The whole hospital. The whole heard hospital that. heard I me. Was... Then I had to go to school and everyone's worried about my pancreas. How old were you when this happened again? Yeah, I was like 17. 17, okay. That makes a little bit. I thought you said you were seven and I was more concerned no. with how you knew you had a pancreas than, than the fart. But the fart is, the fart's pretty. It was embarrassing, Scott. Well, and I'm People glad. were already writing cards, sorry about your pancreas, <laughs> and I had to tell them, it was just trapped stomach gas. Still serious. It's still really serious. <laughs> Nobody talks about the issues behind stomach Nobody gas. puts on a concert for trapped stomach gas. No, they don't. They also don't really put on a concert for your pancreas. Yeah, I know. Last time I checked. But um, they do put on concerts about uh about kids a lot of times and talking about kids and and how do we keep our kids safe mm. how do we keep our kids safe from from pretend things mm, yeah okay and this is, this is going to lead us into what our topic is Very today poorly. it's going to it lead was, us into our topic we'll, we'll edit that we'll edit that it'll it'll be smooth That's as silk be right on the cutting room floor we're going to talk about guns today Gunplay and fun gunplay. Not real guns. Not real guns. But just all the pretend guns. And uh, what are the benefits of it? Uh, how do we facilitate it? What do we have to sort of be aware of around around gunplay? And about what it what makes us uncomfortable about gunplay? Because yeah. because you know kids kids need to be able to uh, they need play is so much more than just kids having fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, as as early childhood educators and and you know as as a parent paying attention you you know instinctively play is so much more than than just kids goofing around and having fun it's it's how kids understand and and develop an appreciation for the world around them and that's why things like playing with guns can be such an important mm. thing for some kids i i have to confess here is when my son was born I was sick of guns. 
Uh, I had a gun pointed to my head. I was tired of the gun violence in the community that I was working in. So when he was born, I vowed he's never going to play with guns or any sort of instruments of violence. And uh, that all went fine and dandy until he went to his grandfather's house who whittled him out a gun out of wood. (laughs) It was his favorite toy. And then I had this this epiphany for myself was I'm still not that comfortable with it, but uh, I ended up working out in the north coast of British Columbia, and I could not tell kids not to play with guns because their grandmothers, their grandfathers, their fathers, their mothers, their aunties, everybody was hunting. Mm-hmm. And who the heck was I to come in and take my downtown Toronto worries about guns yep. and then... Project it on, drop it on to other people's kids. And and who was I? Who was I to sort of make that rule? So I've come to this point in my life where I'm cool with guns with kids. And I think that's a, you know, you bring up an interesting point about how so many of us don't have guns in our lives Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Um, But there are, there are many of us, many more than I think people without guns in their realize and their lives realize is that. There are, there are children who have guns as part of their day-to-day life. Mm. Not necessarily directly, but children whose parents are police officers mm. or whose parents were, are in the military, parents who hunt, parents who are simply responsible gun enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is a whole um, gamut of professional careers that we, we look up to and we admire and we, we value that where guns are an integral part of that career. And so by us saying, well, no, we don't, we don't play with guns here. You know, we're projecting in a somewhat of an invalidation mm-hmm. of all of that stuff onto, onto these kids. And that's not fair. I mean, kids, kids don't need that. Kids don't need to hear that, that what their dad or their mom does for a living is, is invalid. Mm-hmm because you're afraid of what they use. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. We had talked about this in our pre-production. You call that pre-production meeting? I do. Okay, I like it. We're just sitting around a coffee shop, but it's I, still a I, meeting. I, I like it's that meeting term. and it comes before the production of the show. Okay. Ergo, pre-production I, meeting. I, I, I like it. Thanks. And we were talking about um, the trouble with adults of reading too much into this kind of play or feeling uncomfortable with it, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'll start with myself. When I I did some work here in the inner city uh, child care center quite a few years ago during a terrible summer of violence and with gun, terrible summer of gun violence, and the kids were playing guns, and they lived in that neighborhood, and I was feeling very uncomfortable. A, I was sick of it, but that, that was my privilege to be sick of it. These kids had to live in it, right? Yeah. And, and I started to sort of think, okay, what... There must be something here. I know the value of symbolic play, which this really is what this is all mm-hmm. about. It's, it's it's more of the controversial symbolic play. That it's a. I don't. I don't think you could put symbolic play into a controversial lens because symbolic play is is just idea. how people's reactions it's, to it. It's how kids interpret what's going on yeah. around them, and kids who are being surrounded by violence, they play is one way, not mm-hmm. not the only way, but it's it's certainly one way that kids can can start to interpret what's going on with them. They can't have have some control. Yeah. And they can't sit down and have a conversation necessarily about it because there's a lot that goes into it on a, on a really highly 
intellectual and thought mm-hmm. process kind of level that that they they don't have they have so much more value mm-hmm. in playing through those experiences yeah and that's and that's that uncomfortable thing you have to think about yeah. right and so when i so of course the kids could play the guns but i was very uncomfortable i was also getting yeah i guess you know we were talking about yeah your brother just got arrested for for gun stuff so i guess you got to play with that and you have to respect that i was telling you a story about a kid a newcomer kid that i was working with and he the last time he saw his mother she was shot in the back right as people are hauling him into a truck to get him to safety and of course that kid played guns all the time Mm -hmm. and and it was really really uncomfortable for everybody but who were we to sort of go well i think i know better than you and maybe you shouldn't play these guns because of what happened to your mother no that kid had to play that stuff because of what happened to his mother and that's a way for for this kid to to play through and to to you know when you talk about grief and when you talk about grief when grief counselors talk a lot about how you need to um you need to find ways where you can can experience and and let go of your grief and and where you can grieve Mm -hmm. the act of grieving is very important uh in in traumatic situations so play is an act of grief play in that situation is it's a very powerful act of grieving where you can play through scenarios that have had an incredible impact on your life, but you can do it in a very positive mm-hmm. way. Yeah, maybe that's the therein lies the rub because yeah. we as adults we don't do that. No, I drink my trauma away. Yeah, I don't play it. And I and I vicariously drink my trauma away through you. Yes, I know. I wanted to talk to you about that, but before <laughs> before I talk to you about that, Scott, don't you think this is a good time to go to an ad? I, you know what? I would love to go to an ad. Mark. Okay, let's go to an ad starting right now. Hi, it's late, isn't it? I know you're just there listening to my voice on the radio, but you know what I need from you? Do you know what I really need from you? I need some cash, Scott. Tell these good people on how I can get some cash. God, I'm so soft. Hi, everybody. Sorry for that. Um, I'm Scott, and this ain't babysitting, and probably want your money somehow. You could go to uh, those. Okay, hang on. I got to reset. Whew. No, 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 no. Keep it running. Keep it running. Okay, here we go. Hi, thank you very much for tuning into our show, and thank you for listening up until this point, because I'm sure you've stopped by now. Uh, for those of you who have been listening and following our show from from its infancy, thank you so much. It's been it's meant the world to us to have your support. Uh, if you are able to uh, head on over to your podcast listening service, be it Apple Podcasts or uh, or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, if you could uh, leave us a positive review, if you could rate our show, subscribe to our show, it would be really helpful for us. It really helps to build our listenership. The m- the more people we can get subscribing to our show early on, the more people will find our show uh if you are able to support our show in a financial way if you're thinking man these guys sound so good minus that last like a minute ago that these guys sound so great i really want to find a way to support these guys 
then thank you so much. That means the world to us. You can head on over to patreon.com slash this ain't babysitting And uh, what you can do is we have different tiers of subscription services for patrons. Um, you can really help produce the, the quality of the show, bring the quality of the show up to, to a fabulous level where we can potentially do live shows or we can potentially uh, do things like video production or merchandising those those kinds of things um if we get the interest in it then that would be something that we would love to do uh, but all that stuff costs capital and capital means we got to get your money but if you can't give us your money that's okay eventually maybe we'll earn enough of your trust for you to give us your money but if you can't right now what we can what you can do to help our show is you can help spread the word about our show. If you know anybody who works with kids, if you know somebody who spends a lot of time uh, around kids, somebody who works in, if they work in schools, if they work in, uh, if they work in childcare, if they are just parents, just parents, if they're parents, you can uh, direct them over to the show. We talk a lot about, uh, we're going to be covering a whole wide range of topics over the next um, foreseeable future. Things like uh, things that are on our, our hot sheet to talk about include things like gender, include things like uh, different abilities, include things like uh, the uh, teaching from fear and things, all these kinds of things that involve children that, that parents have a lot of questions about things we're going to be talking about. We're going to be bringing in special guests. So with all that being said, I just want to say one more time, thank you very much for listening to our show. Now your words can be kind, but they don't pay my bills or my legal fees. So send me your cash. There's so many more legal fees now. All right, thank you, Scott, for that uh, delightful ad break. And I actually fell asleep during it. I'm so sorry. You're a very rude individual. So well, no, if you could just give least. me the Coles notes about it later on. <laughs> If you can listen right. to our show. It'll add to our download numbers. Oh, okay. And while you're at it, review that's... and subscribe. Okay, I sure will. But I'm not online. No, that's... <laughs> How do I do that? But anyways, I'll write you a letter. There we go. There we go. That'll, that'll work great for our podcast numbers. Hey, look who we've got back. Hi, Melinda. Hello. Uh, Melinda's back to... Uh, she's she's going to... Our... Who is she? <laughs> but if somebody's just tuning in right now, never heard the other ones, who the heck is she? Stop right now. Yeah. Go back to to episode two, okay, uh, and start with our 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 talk with Melinda uh, about the idea of controversial play mm-hmm. and the the stages of of risky play. Um, but for those of you who are too lazy to do that, this is Melinda Walden. Melinda Walden is a instructor here at our local college in one great city, Winnipeg, Manitoba, center of the continent, and she is uh, she's uh, somewhat of an expert on risky play, on on controversial play, and on uh, helping people work through the struggles of overcoming their own biases, their own. Uh, prejudgments about the the ideas surrounding what we might call in today's day and age controversial play. So, Melinda, I'd like to start it off. You've got a lot of experience in dealing with stuff like gunplay. Yeah. Um, why gunplay? Like, 
just like I know for myself, I have to be able to just sort of sit back and go, what's the benefit? Like, what does what does okay. a kid get from gunplay based upon some of your research okay. and what you know? Well, the reason why gunplay is so big is because guns are everywhere. So you can see it on TV, whether it's like cartoons, movies, video games. Um, it's in the world. Um, just say you like hid guns from kids and um you're going, okay, I'm not going to let my kid play with guns or see guns. They're going to watch another child pretend to play with a gun, and then they're going to learn about guns. So they're just everywhere in our world. And so that is the big reason why children want to play with guns is because they see these things, and then us adults go, we don't feel comfortable, especially nowadays with guns being so crazy and these mass shootings that are happening. Mm -hmm. I don't want my children playing with guns. And so that makes it even more intriguing because they're not allowed but they have this sense of needing to know what it is because it's part of our world. That's that's an interesting point um, where you're turning it into the forbidden fruit. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. Um, maybe that's at root of some of these troubles that we have, you know, around... Because I, I might agree with you. I, I'm sick and tired of gun violence. I'm sick and tired of the mass shootings. I'm sick and tired of people not doing anything about it. Um, but if we do make it this forbidden fruit, what will happen to that kid, right, around yeah. around guns? Or what will be their attitudes around guns? And I think that's when I do gun play with children. I think that was like the big foundation of it. So when I worked in a child care center, um, there was a no gun policy, hmm. obviously. And we were in a school as well, so there's no guns within the school. But what I was seeing is children making guns anyway. And they were making out of Lego, out of their food, out of everything in the room. And they Sticks. lied to and, you. And then they lied to me. They said, I said, oh, are you making a gun? And I was actually there going, I actually just want to talk to you about mm -hmm. guns. And they said, no, it's a water hose. It's a laser. Those are the things that they constantly say. The, the Can bubble I, gun. Yeah. Isn't that, but isn't that incredible that they, every kid across this country says the same excuse about what it is if they're in a place where you're not allowed to have guns. They don't text each other and go, hey, what do you do if you get caught with a gun in daycare? Isn't that amazing that yeah. they've already got an answer? They do. They're they, smart. Kid, they, they know exactly what not to say. And are we okay then having that behind our back? I, Do you well, know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, I wasn't. And it stopped the conversation. I was actually really upset because I wanted to talk to them about it. I wanted to know what they knew about it. And mm -hmm. I couldn't even go further because they wouldn't admit that it was a gun. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the foundation of me going, hey, I really need to do something about this and I need to make sure that children feel comfortable talking about it because maybe there is something that they want to act out or play out and I'm actually not letting them do that. Mm. So just on that, that point, how do you take that conversation of, you know, they're, I'm noticing that the kids are really wanting to play with guns. I'm noticing that these kids, are, that, that this is a constant theme that's coming up, but they are treating it, they're, they're hiding from it, they're hiding it from us. How do you take that to somebody who might be uncomfortable with the idea of guns and therefore wants to shut it down? Well, um, when I did this in the child care center that I worked at, 
Um, because that was the problem, I actually used that foundation of they're hiding and they're lying to me yeah. <laughs> about this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I decided to come up with a plan as to how I was going to do a project with guns. And I had to get my director on board. And the first thing I said to my director, I said, when you were a kid, did you play guns? And she said, yep. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know, because yeah. we all play guns and now kids are not allowed to play guns. Well, like, what's the difference between you as a kid and these children? Mm -hmm. And so I started there, but I said... Um, I want to do a gunplay project and I actually had a whole plan because if you go in with a plan and what they're going to learn then most people are more likely to get on board yep. and she said okay if you can get all the parents on board I'm good with it and I said no problem I know I can get every parent on board and the reason why I knew that it was first of all I do have a really good relationship with all the That's parents key. that mm -hmm. is the key to it but I also knew that all these children were doing this at home yeah because they were bringing it to the center. So I, I said, I know I can get every parent on board. And I did. Every single parent did not argue me. Every single parent said, yeah, teach them something about this. Well, because mm -hmm. it's in the lexicon of everybody's childhood experience. I was up in uh, uh, Churchill speaking, and that's in the north, in, in case those people who don't know what I'm talking about, the subarctic of northern Manitoba. And I had these people from even further north. I forget where they were, way up in the Arctic coming down. And we were talking about gunplay and that kind of stuff. And this guy told, this is an Inuit guy, like living on the tundra in the middle of nowhere. He said, when I was a kid, if you could find a little, and it's just a little stick, like they, like a brush, a piece of a brush, because they don't have trees there. There's no, there. Trees, there. There's no yeah. trees. He said, if you could find one about 12 inches long, you, you went to bed with it. You kept it under your <laughs> bed. And I said, why? He says, that was my sword yeah. for sword <laughs> nice. fighting. Yeah. And I yeah. had this like, wait a second, but that's not even a part of your culture. You know what I mean? There's this, but there's this, but there's a part of the culture of childhood yeah. where you sword fight, you go bang, bang, bang. So I could totally understand that the parents would be on because it's not that far out of people's understanding of things. No. And even, th even though some parents are obviously not feeling comfortable with their children playing guns mm -hmm. when you approach it that they're gonna play it anyway they are actually playing it they're just playing it behind your back you notice the water hose do you notice the laser those are guns but we don't know because they're not playing it in front of us what they're actually trying to get out of that play and so when i said that to them they're like yeah and i said so by allowing this i'm gonna observe them i'm gonna find out why they're playing these games and what they're trying to get out of it and then i'm gonna teach them a little bit about gun safety how would you feel about that? And they said, yeah, do that. And, and I think that gun safety piece is one of the things that, that helps because we, we tend to project a lot of our fears and everything onto our kids. And, and the, the safety part of it is where everybody has the hang up, right? Yeah. When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to play with guns. My mom didn't want me to play with guns. Um, despite my mom being a very well-respected early childhood educator, right? She knows child development. She knows how important when she was a kid she played with guns but i wasn't allowed to right so that fear that permeates that we project onto our kids this is a way to tell parents we need to you know we're going to show them this is a real thing and this is how we can maybe be safe about it yeah and let's let's be honest a kid ain't gonna be a gangster or a murderer by going bang 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 in daycare no. It'll only happen when his mom doesn't love him. It's true. Well, and that's... It's, uh, Scott, it's, I'm telling the truth here. You are. That I is, know. That I is very true. And I say, it. what's the difference between a kid who, like, two different kids who play pretend guns, mm -hmm. one who's more aggressive and one who's not? 
The only difference is their social skills. And it's not the gunplay that makes them more aggressive. It's actually their social skills that make them more aggressive. So let's work on those social skills through the gunplay because that's what they're interested in. So through that, we, you know, if it gets past a point of play and turns into aggression, let's stop it and then teach them a new skill so that they can engage in the play socially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how Okay, so when you would do gun stuff with kids, how long does it last? Like, that's the funny thing, I think. Oh, it just, it's up to them, really. Yeah. Um, well, when I did this project with the, the group of, I think they were kindergarten grade ones, mm-hmm. It lasted two months. Okay. But then, but, yeah. But the, would it ebb and flow? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when it's a black market gunplay, it seems to happen con- consistently. Yeah, it was actually pretty consistent for two months, and then it just dropped off, and then they stopped playing altogether, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. They got into music or something like that. And so, yeah, it just literally, two months of, like, us going, oh, my gosh, is this ever going to end? And it doesn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then it all of a sudden it does because they got what they needed out of the play. And it was really interesting okay, to see so, that. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's answer my question. Mm-hmm. What do they get out of it? I guess, for well, I think it's about a fear or a desire, mm. right? So I think there's a lot of fear when you talk about things. When you're saying don't play with guns, they're dangerous, that makes fear into, like, gives children fear. So they have to actually get over that fear. Right. So usually playing it helps you get over it or prepares you for if you ever do see a real gun so that you're not scared or if you're in a situation... Um, hopefully not like you mark but if you're in a situation like that how would you handle that well through your play you've handled it so it gives you strategies it gives you all the stuff that you need in order to be able to handle that fear can i Mm -hmm. add something in there Mm -hmm. did you notice when you would do the gun play with the kids did you notice secondary things happening that maybe you would not have been aware of because it's more than guns isn't it oh it totally is guns but or not like just about the guns. It's, it's bigger. bigger. It's much bigger than that. Well, there's a few different things. I know one. The one little boy who, who kind of started the whole thing. Um, there was times though that there's um, a group of girls sitting in the corner at the dollhouse and they were playing dolls and he was marching back and forth across it. And we just said, "Hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm guarding. I'm guarding <laughs> them. Right. I'm going to protect cool. them." So yeah. it became into more of a like. And this little boy. Um, he was one of the more aggressive children in, in our center, but he was showing that he had that sense of protection and, and, community. That's, and community and yeah. like caring for other people. So there was other stuff that was coming from this from this play. And when I did this play, it wasn't about the gunplay that I really focused on. It was on empathy. Mm. So that was what I was trying to point out throughout um, the project is uh, let's work on the empathy because if you have empathy, you're not going to shoot someone when you're older. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's kind of like, yeah, so through gunplay, I was teaching empathy. Yeah, or beyond mm-hmm. the shooting. It's just yeah. how you're going to learn empathy, yeah. right? And yeah. this is this is one yeah. of those things. But it's funny you say that because I always try to tell people when I do like war play with kids, if you could weigh it, and if it was 10 pounds, it was the whole war play, um, the actual war play is one pound. Yeah, it's nine pounds building guns, building strategies, yeah. communicating with each other. I've noticed that with gunplay, it's much more than just bang bang. It's about helping each other and rescue. I did a gun making workshop here at a, at a daycare center, and yeah, we built amazing guns out of loose parts. But the story isn't about guns. The story is about how kids helped each other yeah. and yeah. build a sense of community. And in that whole beautiful thing about if we allow a kid to play what they want to play and what's meaningful to them, 
true relevance and true beautiful meaningful things happen yeah and it was different for every kid too who was in this project because i had some children whose parents both parents were in afghanistan for six months on, mm. at a time and so he would play those scenarios over and over again so for that child it was a little bit different and then there was other ones who was just about the adventure and the fun of it um some of them were doing hunting games where they would dress up in a cat suit and like run across the room and turn around and the other one was trying to shoot them across the room so there was so there was just so much for each person and they got out of that but they weren't always always doing the gunplay every so often they would be doing something else and then they'd come back to it it wasn't a constant thing but to us it felt like it was constant because that was the main focus of because when you're looking for something that's all you see yeah right um i had uh, an experience when i was in a daycare uh when i was in a different daycare than i'm currently working at where i brought in uh soldier toy soldier toys um we we'd just gotten a bunch of uh new stuff in and and we had these toy soldiers and we had guns with them and I brought them into the daycare. I had a room of seven to nine-year-olds doing more imaginative play than I had ever seen them doing. They were pretending the couch was mountains. They were pretending that the carpet was desert. They were pretending that that other people were, were you know, or that they, they brought in blocks to make trucks and all this kind of stuff i bet you they were story making they had this incredible story laid out and my supervisor came up to me told me well we can't have guns at the daycare said they haven't and i you know went over to the side went talked to her said they haven't fired a gun yet they haven't shot the guns once Mm -hmm. but it was just the idea of having the guns in the center was so um was so aggressive to her she mm-hmm. couldn't get past that one part i said you know i you know and i i brought up because i just i was in my my ec training at the time and i brought up how we'd been talking about gunplay at, at at the college and she said well you know what do they say about it i said you know these are all the things and i mentioned because i think you had actually spoken to our class about this and you know we'd mentioned i'd mentioned about how you know there's lots of other things that go into it and and you know the college is pretty open to the idea of playing with with guns and she said well i guess they support child soldiers and she walked out of the room mm-hmm. for the record yeah. we don't we don't no. at all uh, no <laughs> well, but, wait, but this is what drives me fucking crazy is that people aren't present enough to see the the beautiful things that are happening in this play be uncomfortable with gunplay but open up your eyes and go oh my god there's pre-literacy things happening here how am I ever else going to teach that? These kids are teaching it themselves. There's all that imagination and creativity. There's actual fine motor and building. Mm-hmm. There's communication and getting along with each other. Why would you throw that out? Right? Mm-hmm. And, and that that's what drives the, me crazy about these kinds of Because there were topics. guns there. But that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's why she threw them out. It's just so fucking insane. And, and again, if people could just spend some time watching what kids are really, really doing. I bet you mm-hmm. they weren't going around, I'm going to kill you, motherfucker. I bet you they weren't saying stuff like that. I bet they were creating this oh. really complex tale. Yeah, no, none of them, none of them at any point said, I'm going to kill you, motherfucker. Yeah. I just want to know, would she allow um, magic wands from like Harry Potter? Because you can kill people with a magic wand. Mm. 
I don't actually see the difference between Melinda. Now you're opening up another can of worms, and the wands are going to be removed. But Harry Potter compared to a gun, right? So a wand compared to a gun is actually just the same thing. It's just a different way of using it in a different way. I don't know. I think that we just overthink the props of children's play, Um, because when you see it so we we talked about the fear but there's also desire behind their play too and part of their desire is that power and control and you know what it's actually not the gun that gives them power control it's the character that they play so yeah. if they play either harry potter or a police officer officer or a soldier iron man iron mm-hmm. man it's the character not the props they mm-hmm. use so it doesn't necessarily matter what there is in their hand that's not what gives them power and control it's the character and the role they play and the leader that they play and i think we have to get past the props and get back to like what characters are they playing and why are they playing those characters and let's keep thinking about this like symbolic play yeah this is all this is it is it's just symbolic play they're acting out a couple of things or a whole pile of things we forget as adults i always challenge people to to remember symbolic play like I don't let me just throw it out to you two guys when you're in the shower do you guys accept any awards or are you uh, a great musician when I you're have, in the car are you really Beyonce Scott when have, the song comes on I have so many successful arguments in the shower yeah <laughs> yes. so yeah. many successful arguments <laughs> good for I win a hundred percent of the time <laughs> and it just and, and it makes it makes me feel fabulous well can i okay let me jump on that because i do the same thing uh maybe not in the shower but when i'm driving and all that kinds of stuff have Mm -hmm. great arguments great arguments based upon realistic things that are sort of happening and i find that i'm more prepared for when it really happens because i've already practiced it i i think it gives me too much confidence that's good because then then when i have the the actual argument with somebody and they say something that i didn't have in the script in my head okay then i'm completely lost yeah Yeah. you frig you just go like you frig see but if you would have played that out um, with with somebody else then you wouldn't have that predictability because that other person brings in that unpredictability right Mm -hmm. so you would be able to do it a little bit better if you actually got to play it okay how about you your symbolic uh, confession yeah well i'm i don't you think don't... in the shower anymore because I have kids and I have like five minutes to shower. <laughs> 45 seconds to shower. In the car, I do a lot of thinking though. So okay. that's like... But my... are you ever a role? Are you ever a character? Mm, no, You know what? Maybe it's just been too long. <laughs> but maybe. Lost. There's your yeah, homework, maybe. Melinda. That's my homework. I have to do that. That'll be yeah. everybody's homework yeah. today. Melinda, um, so let's be frank about this gunplay. What do you see as sort of the arguments um, against it or for it? Yeah. You know, so that people can who are listening can sort of think about where they fall in that spectrum. Yeah. So I think the um, aggression and violence, it promotes that is a big one. Um, But I like I think it's not necessarily about aggression and violence that they're playing. So if you actually watch them play, that's not what they're playing. They're you know, there might be a bit of play fighting and some and um, wrestling and things like that, which is that is actually more risky. There's no (laughs) you could actually get hurt doing that. But if it's through play. Um, it's not necessarily aggressive unless it's actually aggressive, which we talked about actually in the last um, mm-hmm. last yeah, um, aggression podcast. versus yeah. So aggression, right? Is it mean spirited? Are they doing it to hurt somebody? 
um, or is there dominance in the play? Um, do they separate after and don't want to play with each other? Because if they're doing that, that's aggression. And then, yeah, you're right. You should stop it. And it's actually not play. So you would stop that. But the play, you would let that continue and see what's going on. And you will find the empathy and the everything else underneath that that shows that it's actually not about the violence and aggression that they're playing out. Um, I think that inappropriate concept is a big thing, right? So it's the fact that it's guns or they're playing war or they're right. playing murder, right? What are they playing? And that's that's what that inappropriate concept or attitudes about that, mm. I think, is the other thing that people argue. I had a student that came up to me once and said, oh, my son's really into war play and guns. But we're a peace family, Melinda. We're a peace family. <laughs> and I want to say yes, because I just heard you talk. And I said, yeah, but how do you know about peace if you don't have war? So you kind of have to know all sides of a story in order to be able to say, yeah, I agree with peace, not war. But if you don't know what war is, then you can't agree with peace. And I think that's like the other side of it is what do children need to know? They need to know all sides of a story before they can make up their mind about what kind of values they have about the play or about the situation or about the information they have. That was very master splinter. There you go. Oh, yeah. I, I played April O'Neill a lot when I was a kid. Okay, it's revisit. Yeah. Okay, that's your homework. There we go. Okay, there we go. Yeah. What, what, what would they reporter. be like at this age? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh... Nope, it's gone. Okay, it's all right. So what do, why, what do you hear? Okay, so peace is one of the uh, things you hear, yeah. right, about why we don't do. And that's yeah. always been sort of in our field about, no, we're a peace, peace. program, right? Yeah. What else do you hear about why we shouldn't be letting our, our kids play with guns? Um, okay, so when I was at the center, it was that the school doesn't support it and we're in a school, so okay. about policies and things like that. Um, the mass shooting thing, like I actually have done a few workshops in the last little while and they said, I still don't agree with it. Even though I played it as a kid, w things are way worse today. And I, I was like, <laughs> I'm going, yeah, exactly. That's why they need to play it more today than they, mm. maybe we did because they're seeing this on TV they're seeing these mass shootings and they're scared and they're going to go, what if that happens to me? Am I prepared to deal mm -hmm. with that? They're, they're probably really scared and need to play that out. So I think that is another thing is that nowadays it's way worse than it was. Well, and I think, I think you're like when you compare how much worse quote unquote the situation is now than it was, you know, when, when we were kids or even when our parents were kids, there was a very different mentality guns were depicted very differently in that spectrum of time right i mean going back to mark's days they were just coming out with guns right they had just discovered <laughs> flint and, I'm and sure yeah we out. went from throwing rocks i was gonna yeah. say i'm to, sure they're <laughs> the slingshots the, <laughs> the slingshot, slingshot was had just everybody was kind of moving out of the slingshot going towards guns but the but there were i mean think of of western movies or mm -hmm. or detective movies or you know even to the 80s going into things like robocop and the terminator and uh you know rambo all those kinds of things those those really um those those popular media things that really celebrated guns that still stays the same but now you have another flip side to this media that is talking about guns and and why guns real guns are so harmful because yeah. they are they are creating an incredible amount of pain and suffering when they're real yeah but yeah i'm just 
I'm going to take exception to things are different today. Yeah. I when I was raised as a kid, we had the Vietnam War going on mm-hmm. where you'd watch the news with your parents and there's nothing but bodies coming home from Vietnam. Yeah. Right. For, from So we didn't have the mass shootings. We had terrible wars that were being televised and, and, and brought home. In fact, at one point, you couldn't get a G.I. Joe. Because mm-hmm. they they stopped making GI Joes as a reaction to the to the Vietnam War, so I I'm just throwing it out that I think it's a misnomer to say that oh the mass shootings and stuff we've always had these killings yeah. after World War II people still played guns but we had a terrible mm-hmm. Holocaust yeah and so I I just see that always as this pervasive excuse but I also saw it in myself yeah well, right the, where I'd be sick of it there's right? actually studies about the Holocaust and what kids would play in concentration camps and they would line up and pretend to shoot each other and pretend to die mm-hmm. so that they could prepare for their death and I think kids, they need to do that. This is part of how they get over that fear of what's about to happen or what could happen. And I think by us taking away, we're actually taking a whole mechanism of um, therapy for themselves. It's coping, like a, yeah. a coping mechanism okay. for themselves. And yeah. so the more play we take away, the less they have to deal with. And um, Scott, you touched on this earlier, but we as adults if we have a problem or we're like having serious issues with something we heard we go to a friend and we start discussing it and we mm. talk about it well kids don't really do that they can't really do that but they can say hey do you want to play and then they just start playing it out and they start saying the things that are bothering them and they do it in their play because that's how they understand it and then they get to that point where they're like okay i get that and then they can talk about it and then they get stuck and then they go okay i need to play this out again to see what that is that I'm stuck on and then they figure it out through their play and then they can talk and they get a little bit further and so it's through their play and then discussion play and discussion that they can get through those things that are bothering them god she's smart and eh and that's such a she's smart such a useful tool for for parents and caregivers as well right that mm-hmm. because that that cycle of of play talk repeat gives everybody a chance to absorb what was said yeah then as a child you get to act it out as a as an adult you get to watch what you just talked about in action Mm -hmm. and then as as then you get to talk then as an adult you know adults get their comfort really from talking about this kind of stuff right like we we don't typically play out our our fears or our emotions as much anymore as an adult no because we've got that foundation but we do you just proved that you're working through all your arguments that's true. Right. That's true. You, I was just going to say that. Most of my arguments. Like if if you even think of a basic skill that yeah. you don't have yet as an adult, someone can tell you how to do it, but it, like I, maybe a computer skill. Just say you're learning something on the computer. Someone can tell you to do it, but until you practice it and then you go, oh, that didn't quite work out. I almost got it. And then someone tells you more information and then you practice and do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a constant. Like it, We just don't think of the skills within play or the basic things that we already have as a problem right because we know how to discuss those things but so let's spend more time finding the good in gunplay yeah and not read too much also it's not always traumatic either but no it's drama it's just plain fun i have a bunch of kids in my alley and i love it when i'm coming home and uh driving my car through the alley and there's a war going on 
And I always stop my car, get out, and I'm the only one with a bazooka. I blow them away with my bazooka. Some kids give me the finger because it's not fair, but that's all right. But we have a big laugh. Yeah. And my wife always goes, why the hell do you do that? And I said, because I want these kids to know that there's someone in their community who's like them. Yeah. And I'm friendly. And this is a fun way of us sort of uh, coming together. So. If someone out there is either working in a daycare center or maybe uncomfortable with the uh, with the gunplay, talk a little bit about your project. Yeah. Like how okay. do how do you how do you facilitate gunplay? Well, okay, well, I probably wouldn't continue to do it this way, but this but is I think, how yeah, this is how I, I think it's did a good it. start. It's I think a good it's a start, good start. Yeah. So how I started was um, and I think it was a conversation I was having with a coworker. She said something about having a gun license. And I said, oh, yeah. So that's how we started. We just said, um, because they kept hiding it behind our backs, I went to my boss and I said, okay, so this is what I want to do. Um, I'm going to get them to register for a gun license. And when they, after they read, and while we're waiting for them to be made, we're going to have a police officer and paramedic come in and talk about gun safety. And, um, and then I'm going to let them play. And so that was kind of the foundation. So we had all the kids come and register for a license. Now, little Batman was the little boy I was talking to you about who's the more aggressive one. Little Batman. <laughs> I'm going to call him Batman. So he comes to the table and he said, I'm signing up and my name's Batman. <laughs> and I said, well, in Canada, we do a background check on all of you. So if your name's not Batman, you might not get your license when everybody else gets and it. And plus you're not mentally stable enough yeah. to have a gun, yeah. Batman. And Batman uh, doesn't use guns anyway. No, I no. know. And so he said, <laughs> he said, no, I'm Batman, Melinda. And I said, this is your last chance. I'm telling you right now, I'm doing like, we're doing a background track on you. And if your name's not Batman, I found out your name's something else. You don't get a gun license and you won't be able to play when everybody else gets to play. He said, it's Batman. <laughs> and I said, all right. <laughs> so I signed him up as Batman. I had another little girl come to the table and she said, do I have to sign up for a gun license? <laughs> and I said, no, you totally don't have to. This is totally optional. She said, because I don't like guns and I'll never play with guns and I'll never shoot a gun. This little kindergarten. Oh, she was amazing. And I said, no, that's awesome. And I'm like, you can sign up and never use it if you want or in case you change your mind. She's like, I'll never change my mind. I said, perfect, then don't sign up for one. So it was really interesting that within the room, this one little girl was the only one who didn't sign up for a gun license. So we sign up for these gun licenses. Poor Batman doesn't get it when everybody else gets it. But um, and then we had a paramedic and uh, a police officer come in, both females, by the way, and both former ECEs, which is super cool. Oh, no. We were talking about that this morning, about how many early childhood educators have kids who get involved in yeah. in something yeah. with a gun. Yeah. My son is becoming a cop. I didn't <laughs> yeah. let him have a gun when he was a kid. I've heard this a lot. Yeah. It's all yeah. over. So anyways, that, yeah. that's no surprise to yeah. me at all. Yeah, so they came in and then I like gave them a list of stuff, but they already, they know children. So I was I was pretty confident about them. The, the police officer talked about like safety with a gun that they're supposed to be locked up. So just the different things that you need to know about guns. Um, that some guns they look like toys but they're real like if you've ever actually looked um, online they have like Hello Kitty real guns and yeah. things like that that you look like a toy gun but they're not so they talked about things like that which was really interesting the paramedic talked about dealing with gun wounds so they got real they talked about the act what could actually happen that someone could die from it 
And they asked all these questions. Little Batman, who can't sit for five minutes in a circle time or five minutes to talk to you, sat for an hour and a half asking questions. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So you realize that if it's based on an interest or something that they're interested in, they can sit and they can listen and they can talk. This was done after school, too. So the parents were coming in and asking questions as well. So this was more of a community thing. It wasn't just about for the kids. It was for everybody to know what was going on and how we were doing this. Um, so then after that, we gave everybody their licenses, which was just like a plain card. I actually looked it up to see what it was, and they drew, uh, um, they drew their faces into it and everything. <laughs> cool. He said it had to stay in the room because we were in a school, and it was against school policy to have it outside of the school. And then that also gave them a little bit of responsibility for it. So if they took it home or anything like that, they had to have their gun licenses on them to be able to play. So it was an interesting cool. dynamic of what happened with that. Um, little Batman got his a little bit later because he had to come re-register with his real name. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking Batman. No one should know his name, I Melinda. No, yeah, I put Bruce Wayne on his actual. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Perfect. Sorry about yeah. your parents, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> back here, you can yeah. act out the trauma that this experience. Yes. Um, That's and really all Batman ever did it, was just act out that trauma. Yeah. It, that was his trouble. Yeah. yeah, That exactly. was his trouble. Yeah, he was in a loop. Batman and the Joker, same person. But that's another episode. <laughs> Let's get back to this. Um, so we just put some basic rules to the game or to the, to the play. So it was um, based on consent, really. It was um, only play if you want to play. <laughs> you have to ask someone if you want to play. And if they say no, then you have to respect that and ask someone else to play. So you can't shoot just anybody. You have to ask them before you shoot them. Um, they had to have their gun licenses on them. This was also part of like kind of, we, I don't know, this was a little bit too much and it was really hard to police. But like take, we, if like they weren't following the rules or it was getting too out of hand and they couldn't do it, we would take away the gun license for maybe a lunch hour and then give it back to them after mm -hmm. school. Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so, and then, um, we used it. So whenever it went past the point of play, they were using it as a bullying tactic against one person right. or anything yeah. like that. We would stop it cause that's aggression, not play. Yeah. And then we would get back to the emotions. So we would really talk about the empathy and how that other person felt, because that's what we wanted out of this play was to really learn about emotions yeah. and have that empathy for others. Um, but yeah, so it was really. Basic. So where are you now? You said you're you're not. Yeah, you're not. I think it was very structured. <laughs> but I. But don't you think that if Sanders want to have mm -hmm. never done gunplay and your center didn't do gunplay, so you yeah. have to have. I noticed for some people they're just not cool with. Oh, yeah. that's it. Rules gone. We're gonna just shoot each other, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that for some people and some centers, it really makes sense to have a logical plan like that's this. That's true. Well, and I think it it actually helped with that. Another thing too is we didn't bring in pretend guns. They had to make it out of stuff in the room. Perfect. So yeah, yes. that was another rule we had was like, no, you have to create it. And you want to know the creations that they oh, did? Uh, I like one little boy made. He was like, "This is a twenty-two. No, 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 no. I actually don't even know what he said. And I just said. How do you know that much about guns? Because yeah. I didn't know you know that much about guns because you were always hiding it from me. Isn't that yeah. interesting? So like the more that we said yes to this, the things that they were doing was amazing. And I'm going, okay, we really need to know like how you know about that kind of gun and yeah. why you know that. <laughs> like I was like, I, I couldn't even Call talk the language. But yeah, yeah you're called, but, but can I say, isn't that the foundation of doing research? So you do well in high school Yeah. and you love guns. So that's where you do the research. Uh, you're making something, being creative. You love guns. So yeah. that's your sort of, um, uh, uh, you know, engine for your creativity, yeah. which again, if people read negative into it, 
it'd be a cheapened experience it's for that true. kid. Well, I did have two coworkers, like just like you said, I've actually found coworkers to be the hardest to get on board with mm. this yeah. in a childhood um, setting. So I had two co- co-workers who refused to come in my room during this project. Okay. And so I, because my director said, get all parents on board, she didn't say all co-workers. Yeah. So because I said, I got every parent on board, but I have two co-workers who won't come into my room. And she said, that's fine. We'll put them in other rooms. But you know what happens in a childcare center is someone gets sick and someone has to cover. <laughs> and so what happened was that little girl who said, I don't believe in guns. I don't want a gun <laughs> license. She became the script for those two other um, women to come <laughs> into my room and say, I don't believe in guns, so I yeah. don't play. And so it was really interesting how everybody's like belief system came into the play as to like just because you play this doesn't mean I I and as soon as you start saying yes yeah everybody's belief system has value yeah it's true right so true so even if you don't want to play with guns if you don't want to take part in gun play Mm -hmm. but you're open Mm -hmm. you have that opportunity to say yes and and where else do we learn to respect other people's beliefs even if they challenge ours yeah you see all these great opportunities that comes from something as controversial as a gun um and like there was so many good learning opportunities too Mm. um little batman one day i like walk in the room still with my jacket on right and i'm like walking in to go take my jacket off he runs up to me and he goes bang and shoots me right in the face and if you've ever been pretend shot, I guess you, oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. right. My heart, like my, like my heart kind of like, because we've just gone over all the rules, mm-hmm. we know what we're doing. Like your heart drops into, into your stomach and you're just like, oh, and I just went and I just said, you know, when you did that, my heart dropped into my stomach. I feel sick a little bit that you did that. I'm feeling upset because we just talked about this. You didn't ask me before you wanted to play it. And I just went into all my emotions within that moment mm-hmm. and he stopped. He's like, oh. <gasps> Do you want to play with me? 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 <laughs> and poor little Batman who's so impulsive, right? And I just said, yeah. hey, you know what? I came into the room wanting to play today. So today, yes, I will play. But if you do this again, I don't trust you and I'm not going to want to play with you. You know what? Little Batman asked me every single time to play yeah. before he would shoot at me. Yeah. Um, he didn't do that to the other kids, but that's a totally different <laughs> it's story. It's a process. It's a process. It's it started process. with me. Can, can, mm-hmm. can we end it with this? just about what what advice would you give people uh to sort of get a get away from your bias you know like what would you suggest to people to say i understand how you feel about the guns but you your kid this kid wants to play guns your kid wants to play guns <laughs> what words of advice would you give about that bias um i would say the more you watch the children play, you realize there's something deeper than just the guns. It's actually not about the guns or the scenarios you think that they're playing or it's not about them wanting to hurt or hurt somebody. It's actually usually the opposite of that. So by watching it, it makes you feel a little bit better. But it also thinking of it from a child's perspective of just truly, really trying to understand our world and what's in our world. Because if you understand what a gun is, you know like what it does and why it's harmful and you know, all the consequences to real guns, then you realize that that's what the children are learning from this play. And you're going, okay, well, you need that foundation in order not to shoot someone when you're older. So the more you say yes to it and the more you listen and watch, and then you can actually bring out discussions and you can say, wow, they were playing out murder quite a bit in this play. Wonder what's going on. 
And then maybe you find out that someone in their life was murdered and they're trying to figure out why that happened. But Or some kids just love dying. Or yeah, or they yeah, exactly. They're just I practicing dying. I loved being the Some one kids are amazing diers. Yeah. I bet you were. I was. I was yeah, and it might not dyer. even be that. It just might be about like trying yeah. to figure out what murder is yeah. because they don't know what murder is. They heard the word, mm-hmm. right? And their friends tell them what murder is, but they don't really know what it is. But that gives you the opportunity to say, hey, well, this is what murder is. And I know that sucks. That's hard to listen to. But, you know, like you can bring that conversations if they're already talking about it, then they're going to figure out a way to understand what that so that's is. a good this is a good segue into uh our our little advice round oh brief advice. Okay. uh we scott yes that was brilliant thank you that was you that was a good segue yeah, there you go i i improved over the start of the show dramatically um so we have uh we're this is we're gonna call this uh just our advice segment and now we have a question from uh this is from reddit this comes from the parenting subreddit it says my five-year-old daughter scared of bad guys with guns ever since they had drills for shooters at uh-huh. school my five-year-old's in kindergarten and earlier this year they had a code red drill which is basically a drill for gunmen active shooter situations she told me all about it how they hide in the classroom bathroom while the teacher locks the door and they have to be very very quiet since then, she's been really scared about bad guys with guns breaking into our house and shooting us. I don't let her watch anything other than Disney Jr. and Nick Jr., so I know this is all coming from whatever they talked about at school. We live in one of the safest towns in America, so the odds of What us town having, is that? It says one of the safest. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all it says. So the odds of us having a break-in are ridiculously small. I tried to tell her that this it's like how they have fire drills fire isn't necessarily going to happen but you need to know what to do just in case how can i address her fears and assure her that she doesn't need to worry now i want to caveat this with yes this is an american thing but canadian schools definitely still have yeah. uh, mm-hmm. lockdown drills lockdown oh, procedures yeah. yeah so yeah. how do we as a parent who maybe hasn't thought to have this conversation with our kids yet now the schools have brought it in and mm. now my child is terrified of bad guys with guns coming to shoot us. Yeah. How do we address that? Oh, geez, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah, that's hard. There, question. you know what? I uh, my very first thought of this is I would just support her in her fear and uh, keep talking to her and all that stuff because it's natural for kids to have fears, yeah. right? Yeah. And her fears coming from a pretty real place, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. they're because exactly. they're because yeah. they're pract- not like yours on spiders. Scott, I'm sorry for being judgmental there, but hers is real, Scott. A spider will not shoot you or really, really hurt you. No, it's just going to crawl into your ear and lay eggs in your brain. But that's okay. That's okay. Because in it, what it's, world is that okay? It's the circle of life, Scott. That's another That's another session that we will do. But I would just say that we can't get rid of all of our kids' fears, right? No. All we can do is be that supportive person that we've had in our lives to help us get through those fears before they turn into an anxiety. Yeah. What would you suggest, Melinda? I You're the know. gun expert. How are you going to handle that fucking I think, question? Like, well, <laughs> I did an interview with uh, somebody from the States about this topic, and I think that they ban a lot of gunplay down there. And yeah. I think that that's a big problem because if you are doing all these drills and you don't have an outlet for them to play it out or play out like different scenarios, then they don't get their therapeutic piece of it to get mm-hmm. over that fear. I I would just suggest like 
through their play, through their art, like just mm-hmm. what like what are some ways that she can represent what she's feeling in a different medium? Because that's a child's right to know this information, yeah. right? The right to know or um, be able to understand um, these different topics mm-hmm. is a child's right. And they can do it through art. They can do it through playing. They can do it through many different ways to understand that. So I would maybe see what kind of um, play would maybe help with that and I would think maybe drawing playing it out I do this with my sons all the time they play monsters and we hide hide out from the monsters and we like right like it's not a lockdown drill but we basically are doing a lockdown Mm -hmm. drill when we play monsters or t-rexes or anything in our house where they have to hide and be quiet Mm -hmm. (laughs) before they get them but Mm -hmm. at the root of what I was hearing from you is just about trusting Mm-hmm. Like like and taking it seriously, yeah. what, what what their fear is. It comes from a very real place, and how do we uh, provide that support? I will also say that uh, thinking about your gun play stuff you did mm-hmm. in your daycare center, it would be really empowering for her to know that when I say no, yeah, you can't shoot me, and that that might give a little power there. Yeah. You know, as opposed yeah. to her grabbing a gun saying, "I'm going to play with the fear this way." Just being in a place that. You respect me. And then it doesn't become that kind of a scary thing again. Yeah, and I think it's that, like, lack of control that you Mm. have about the situation that makes everybody scared. When you have no control, what are the things you can control? If you can, like, practice strategies or fun things or, like, different ways, those are the things you can control is, like, I can make a best-case scenario out of anything, um, any kind of scenario, right? So if you can make a best-case scenario of different ways that you can handle a situation Mm. that you know... Even if it's the worst possible thing that can happen, you did your best within that. Like, right. And that's what the play is, is like trying to get to that best possible scenario of if this happened, I have all these strategies to be able to handle it. And being open to saying yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Being open to saying yes. Yes, this is scary. Mm -hmm. Being open to saying yes, this, you know, this is this is something that that's really serious. But it's but this is something that. You know, we can talk about it. And, we can, um, and thinking but, about the coping mechanisms, right? So if yeah. you're teaching that child how to cope with fear, that's only going to help her in other situations that she's fearful of. So continue to talk about it and really work about with that feeling. Because mm-hmm. right. you can't just get rid of that feeling. That feeling's there. So let's. what are some ways that we can manage that? Whether it's through play, mm-hmm. whether it's drawing, whether, any kind of outlet to help that child figure out that fear and a coping mechanism that they can use for their life is going to be helpful. I think this is the start of another session. Dealing with kids' fears. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I understand where, where that parent's coming from, but let's also put it in perspective. There's a developmental reason to have fear. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is no different than the boogeyman or anything mm-hmm. else like that. It's just a more well, realistic and, boogeyman. And, and to be yeah. clear about this 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 question asker, you know, the first thing they say in the last sentence of their their question is, How can I address her fears? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Exactly. You know what else is beautiful, Scott? What's that, Mark? I loved having Melinda here today. I did too. Melinda? Oh, thank you. Will you come back again? <laughs> yeah, I sure will. Continuing on with controversial. <laughs> Would you come back again in roughly 16 minutes? Ah. <laughs> but Melinda, I'd like to thank you for another engaging conversation about about something that parents are a little wary of. This time yeah. it was about gunplay. You do it in such a beautiful way based upon real sound research. Not like Scott and I just blowing air out our <laughs> ass, right? You come. You, you, in some <laughs> points loud enough that an entire hospital floor can hear you. <laughs> That's, That's another right. beautiful segue. Yeah, there you go. Oh my God, Scott! So my arms are up in the air. Melinda, thank you so much for coming. Ken, 
Ken Shandell, thank you so much for making us sound good. Patty, my wife, thank that you for the egg, egg salad. salad sandwich. Yeah. Oh my, my God. God, Scott, thank you for and being thank you. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> All right. All so right, everybody, that's our show. That's our show. I'm Scott Forbes. I'm Mark Battle. And this ain't babysitting. Hey, try saying yes. That was. <laughs> Just weird. try it. Okay. Just try it. Yes. <laughs> Not you. Oh. Okay, good night, everybody. Bye. <laughs>